0: Hi everyone, this is episode 27 of the Get in My Garden podcast, and I'm Aaron Moskowitz. Today we learn about rewilding. There are very few people with the level of sincerity of our next guest. He has a great backstory and he calls himself Maximilian Lion Man. Maximilian discusses the rewilding philosophy the movement he is a part of to honor our ancient human ancestors, their wisdom, and their connection to the earth. We talk about the trajectory of modern man and ways we can lead more connected lives ourselves no matter where we live. Maximilian shares how to use the rewilding philosophy as a lens to evaluate the world and the choices we make on a daily basis to thrive, to maintain community, to reconnect to the earth, and to become more of our human selves. Please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app, and leave positive reviews if you like the show. Also, I am so grateful to the people who have reached out to me with ideas and connections for the podcast. It is the listeners who make the podcast community.
1: This is Maximilian. I call myself Maximilian Lion, man. People ask me, yeah, where do I get that name from? It's more of a, a new name. I wasn't given that name at birth by my parents, but it, it's something that I found along the way. A little background about me is uh, I grew up in uh, Lower New York, in an anthroposophical community, which means it's like a, going along with the biodynamic, you know, biodynamic agriculture. And uh, yeah, really blessed to have that, you know, I guess kind of that connection with place and also like a, a spiritual connection coming from Germany, you know, Steiner came and came to this area or his teachings came here in the 1900s, early 1900s. So I had that and I came, you know, to the rewilding thing as I was introduced to it, in early in, in uh, when I was in community college, you know, I had tried a lot of things in high school, like I learned about Brags and the whole vegan, the vegan movement and fasting and juices and <laughs> all that stuff. It was great. But when I learned about the rewilding movement, especially Daniel Vitalis' work, it really impacted me. And I took a deep dive into it. I'm still here. It came back after uh, six years. I, was in, I got a bachelor's degree in upstate New York in wildlife biology. Then I went this past summer, I was growing some shiitake mushrooms in the Finger Lakes region. Then I went to Maine to study more primitive skills at the Maine Primitive Skill School, and that was an amazing experience—not just the skills, but also the community skills um, and the community feeling towards that. And so, that's really that. cool. Yeah. And so, I'm can coming- you?
0: So, you went from being a vegan to now rewilding, and what is that? Does that mean that you eat animals and you are? Can yeah. you explain the philosophy to people and the movement
1: sure, so do you want me, so in terms of the food wise you know i I really take um call myself a conscientious omnivore, you know so um I, eat, I I like to eat from all the kingdoms of life gotcha so and that goes back you know that goes back millions of years to hominid ancestors and even other great apes you know mo- a lot of most great apes they eat meat but also in spectrum, you know some chimpanzees love to hunt but not always do they get the hunt so if you track human evolution pretty amazing you know not to say i don't love plants like i love foraging and i love wild plants and herbalism so i'm trying to incorporate that into my own life into my own body and a body of teaching i'm trying to i'm trying to see what works for me you know and you know what makes me feel great and energetic and magnetic the rewilding philosophy i call it the rewilding lens it's something that i've kind of adopted from this uh Practical ethnobotanist up in Maine uh, named Arthur Haynes.
0: So that basically means he's foraging for psychoactive. Um, no, not substances. necessarily.
1: Uh, a practical eth- So ethnobotany is the study of how people relate to to relate to plants. Cultures relate to plants.
0: Oh, okay. I'm confusing it with, I think ethnobotany. Maybe. Ethnie- oh, eth- like uh, or eth- entheogens. Entheogens. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, we have those, you know, teacher plants. There's a few thousand teacher plants in the world. And most indigenous cultures, if they had, they can get their hands on it. They were welcoming that into their culture. And for reasons, you know, many of us don't understand today, but I think it opens up sensory gaining awareness uh, pathways. You know, a lot of the work that Steven Buhner has done has talked about that. I'm more talking about the rewilding lens and, you know, there's so much information today coming in from outside the Western dominant society about, you know, you should look this way, act that way, Absolutely. you know, all of these different health fads and, you know, fitness fads. And so, in terms of the rewilding lens, I use it as like a, as a screen, as a screening. Doesn't you know? Is it make sense for our ancestors to, if for example, like you know, the whole thing was you know with the whole coconut oil can kill us. I think it's taken way out of context. You know, in terms of we know that many Polynesian peoples and tropical peoples living near the tropi- you know, near the equator enjoyed coconut and its wide variety of uses, not just for food and experience great health from that. Mm-hmm. So I use the rewilding lens as a screen. Um, that was just one example. But as a screening process for me to kind of limit what comes into my psyche, and that way I can actually make a- take action on certain things instead of getting overwhelmed by all types of things that are coming in constantly.
0: Gotcha. That makes sense to me. So what would somebody who's living in a city do to be more wild? I don't know if that's the goal, but I guess to have a bigger awareness of their environment right
1: of course i mean it starts off you can go to your park your local park and and learn the plants and animals that that live there and and take off your shoes and and do some natural movement and maybe climb a tree and maybe do some dancing but even in your home in the city you know there's a lot of change you can take a lot of the things that like the biohacking community has brought about looking at like the quality of water that you drink or you know the food that you buy at a grocery store or the air quality in your home or the the circadian rhythm that you're following, you know, with all the light pollution and kind of trying to remediate that or non-native EMF. So there's a lot of things that even people in urban areas can do. I think it's extremely important because as long as people are living in cities, it's important because we know that we evolved in nature and now we're experiencing this new kind of urban living and not to say that there isn't benefits to urban living in terms of, you know, cultural cultural things happening and the density of people but if we can advocate for our own self and for our communities to have, you know, better air quality and water quality and food availability, real food availability, I think it can make a real difference in the community and the individual health.
0: That's really great. And it seems like there are similar goals, I guess, the biohacking movements and some of the people in California who are, I mean, their goal is to become immortal. I think they're less thinking about the earth and our na- natural way of being, but maybe we're moving in that direction anyway.
1: Yeah, there's uh, there's kind of two paths that we see in the rewilding movement. It's more the rewilding path, uh, you know, or the, the transhumanistic path. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's going down that route of escaping our mother, the earth, and going and colonizing other planets. What a lot of religious proselytizers like to say is like, you know, heaven's not here. Heaven on earth doesn't exist. It's spirit and matter are differentiated or separated and, and progress in the name of progress that we should leave earth and transcend earth but it's 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 in my perspective that we still have so much to learn about the ecology of humans of the ecology of this place uh, our place on this world and we evolved here we belong here you know our bodies are adapted to the atmosphere to the to the hydrology to the geology to all that it's we're adapted to this place and so um, I'm not saying throw away technology. In fact, that technology is a great way, great avenue of learning and, and connecting, of networking. However, we noticed having some wariness and some strategies to kind of mitigate the negative impacts of modern technology is important.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. It seems like a lot of the people, I mean, right now they're pushing to go to Mars. They're pushing us into space. And they say that it's because we as humans must have something like that, that we are discovering or else we are less human. So I guess they have more of an intellectual human Mm -hmm. outlook. But we're talking here more about our connection to our environment.
1: Yeah, I mean it's not all about the intellect. I mean also the intellect of the brain, but it's also about it's also about getting grounded in place and using other sensory apparatuses, not just the brain, and pushing the limits of human capabilities here on Earth and the human body in terms of exposure to the elements. You know, I think we've lost a lot of our wildness as the domestication process of Western society has progressed over the last 13,000 years. There's a lot of things that we can't do anymore as a species. Not saying that some individuals can't do certain things and that we haven't gained certain things.
0: Are you talking about primitive skills in that way or actually physically unable to do?
1: Both. I mean, definitely primitive skills, you know, the ability to make fire from your landscape, to procure food, to procure water, you know, cleanse, purify, carry water to build shelter, even communal skills, you know, it's very lacking in terms of how to communicate with others, but also like physical skills, you know, the whole hormesis idea, the circadian rhythm idea. It's about like pushing your limits, mm-hmm. stressing your body to a limit, but not in terms, you know, you're not going to push yourself too much, but like even cold water plunges or right, um, like, fasting, all these things, you know, a lot of people. A yeah, lot of people I, I
0: definitely understand that a lot of most people are just looking for their next meal and that meal has to come every few hours or else they panic. seems like yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: and that's definitely making it so their body can't even detox at all
1: well food is a dissociation i mean we most of us are addicted to some to something or another you know we we grow up in a society that traumatizes us from birth and separates us from our families you know especially with modern technology today we have no need to have community like We're all, we all in our separate rooms on our separate computers. We think we have community, but really we're all separated and loneliness and mortality have a big causation. They, you know, there's a big linkage between them.
0: Absolutely. So So if, if, if we're all going to become more wild and we're going to go back to our roots, at least in some ways, can you speak to what that does for us emotionally? Because, I mean, obviously what you just said would mean that we have to be more of, we have to have more community, right? So we're doing some things together.
1: mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing (laughs) that's saying it takes a village, I think it can hit home pretty well. Communal, Communal meals, I guess, food is, you know, brings people together in the greatest ways. And I think that if we could work together and connect with nature more, in terms of how we procure food, not just depending on our grocery store, the modern grocery store, like a Whole Foods, but you know, seeing that there's a spectrum of food, you know, how a food in the in the world and how we procure food. So a spectrum of either you know cultivating or growing or hunting or foraging your food. When we bring people out there and do it together to an extent, it really builds community. It's something I'm still exploring, you know, and as I get deeper into to the world of foraging, but it's it's really exciting, and I would definitely encourage it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's big question mark what that will look like as far as. The modern world with 7.5 billion people.
1: Yeah, no, that's a that's that's an that's often a uh, a response to when we talk about foraging as a society. You know, I don't really have an answer to that, but I know what works for me is going out and you know procuring a good amount of my food from the landscape and sharing that with my friends and family. And you know, we one of the biggest things that we do, the biggest way we so we can vote is with our money. And when we start to for buy sure. things, buy food specifically that has a, has a real story behind it, that has real people behind it that we can interact with when we, when we kind of eat within our bioregion, within, within our local ecosystem or our watershed. It has an amazing impact on our ability to make change. I think innately people know that the further that we get away from interacting with soil and growing food, the more disconnect we have and the more loneliness and all those associated negative uh, aspects of modern living come about when we, when we, as we further disconnect from our food source.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's part of the mission of what I'm doing, connecting people back to their backyards because we do if, you know, 70% of the country has some piece of land that they can use and our landscape has been geared only for ornamentals mm-hmm. and well, it changes people's lives when they get their hands back into the soil. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean there was like research showing that, you know, when you smell soil it like increases uh some neurotransmitter activity in your and you know, it boosts boosts uh, happiness.
0: So I would definitely agree with that, Aaron. That's so cool. And Rewilding, it's a really cool name. I think most people, if you could like give it on an elevator, if you were in an elevator with somebody and someone says, hey, what what are you you doing? Uh, I mean, I picture you walking around the city barefoot, but obviously it's really just a philosophy and you don't necessarily have to be doing that at all times, but it benefits you when you're able to be in nature, right? So what do you tell people in an elevator? When, when
1: they say, when they ask, what is rewilding? Yeah. Well, I have the definition of the, the term rewild. It means, I have it here, rewild, a verb, means to restore to its natural uncultivated state. So, you know, if we take a look at the human body and the human psyche and we start to break down our lives into constituents' parts to our, you know, to our food, our, our medicine, our clothing, our community, where we get our water. I feel like it's, it's a philosophy that kind of honors our biology. It honors our biology in terms of, you know, we know that we are a great ape, homo sapiens sapiens, and it's, it's looking towards reconnecting us with the natural world in all those categories. And, 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 and by making categories of the human experience and how we relate to the outside world and to ourselves, I think it can create a, hopefully it can create more of an integrated whole and rewilding is, is a philosophy that looks towards, looks towards the past and it looks towards the diversity of past, the diversity of cultures, how history has progressed. And kind of there, at first, there's a lot of anger. At least there's a lot of anger that came up for me in terms of, you know, what have we done as a species, you know, and community. You know, so there's more compassion for people and there's more need to connect with people and to, to meet people where they're at. Rewilding is an awesome philosophy that I'm going to keep going down
0: I like it. I like what you're saying. It makes me feel like we accept what we are rather than try to reject it and become something new. Always,
1: yeah. I think it's a very fluid. Def- I think it's a very fluid word, and I think it's fluid and it's personalized. But it's for me, it's how I walk the, in this world, and it's how I interact with my the trees in my backyard or the waters or the certain ceremonies that I practice or gratitude practices you know, how I eat, what kind of my philosophy around eating is, I put it all under the category of rewilding. It's easy. I don't know if there's like one definition for it. But it's, it's it opens up a conversation, you know, absolutely. And uh, there's a lot of background that happens for it, you know, in terms of what you're interested in. But you know, you can go could talk about archaeology and botany, paleobotany, there's so many different theories under it. And so much background information that that's almost like, it's sometimes it's hard to say what it is in one sentence, but in terms of an elevator pitch, it's a way of seeing the world that honors our biology and wants to move forward with the past, and so we could create for ourselves, to ourselves, a better human and uh, a better, more capable, uh,
0: healthy human. I see, and it doesn't reject technology. It, I mean, it seems to me like they're pushing us into outer space, and they're going to have to create a different type of human in order to survive in those situations Mm -hmm. and I could picture this situation in 500 years where we're here on earth and hopefully we've cared for it and recovered some of what we've done to it and then there's a superhuman that is able to live in outer space and go to Mars and participate in a different economy and probably not eat fresh food it's probably going to be very different what they're eating who knows
1: yeah I remember Terrence McKenna talking once I heard him uh, not in person, I'm too young for that, but uh, um, he was talking about, you know, the future of our planet and how there is an innate need to explore the galaxy. And however, someone's going to need to look over the earth, over the earth and participate, take care of the earth. And he was talking more or less about leaving the indigenous peoples to this earth. So that's the whole movement of like, you know, decolonization movement and the reindigenization movement, which is a whole nother conversation that we could have.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So what, where would that put us all? <laughs> it's up to you, though. You know, where would you want to put
1: yourself? You know, I don't think it's more of a top-down approach. I think it's from a bottom-up approach with the rewilding movement. It's kind of interacting with your own genetic blueprint, activating certain gen- genetic expressions so you could live a healthier life. And I think it's really empowering. So what would that look like, Aaron? That's a great question. I'm, I'm not totally sure, but, you know, for me, I'm going to keep learning about my, the local flora and fauna of this planet of my ecosystem here in the Northeast and honoring the, the, the native peoples here, you know, the Ramapo peoples live here. Wow. I'm right outside New York city. I'm about 20, 20, miles North of New York city and people are still here. The first peoples are still here and they're still practicing. And, you know, for me, I, I honor that. I, I recognize that. And, you know, so much to learn from this place.
0: Absolutely. And so
1: I'm, you know, coming into this new, I'm coming, come, come, kind of coming into this new, a life form as a, as a young, 20 I've almost gone around the sun 24 times. I'll, I'll turn 24 in January, but I feel like there's a lot of possibilities in terms of what directions we take in our lives. The more we can integrate with ourselves, with the traditional peoples, the traditional life ways.
0: I couldn't agree more.
1: I feel like the more healthier we can get.
0: Yeah. That's great. Now, do you want to speak to your business? Are you, You've created a business, is that right?
1: Yeah. So it's called the Lion Man School of Rewilding. So right now, we kind of just launched it. Uh, we launched the school in the summer. Right now, it's kind of in a, in a slow time in terms of, you know, winter is coming. And so the plants are dying back and going to sleep. So right now, we're just figuring out what works what the people are needing. So I'm just trying a different, couple of different options, you know, seeing if people are more interested in foraging or people are interested in traditional cooking and ancestral, ancestral foods or people are people more interested in growing their own food and permaculture design. It's really open to seeing what the people are needing. And you can guys can check out my website, which is lionmanrewilding.com. I have a Facebook page and uh, Instagram is Maximilian Man. So, you know, we're right outside New York City. It's one of the biggest cities in the world. And (laughs) it's kind of ironic that in the edges of the cities, these kinds of things are coming, coming up.
0: Oh, I think people are so hungry for it. It's going to be a great opportunity. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to do this by myself
1: either, you know, and you know, I'm trying to build a team here and it's great. It's really exciting time. You know, there's a lot of different paths that we can take and uh, ultimately it's just getting back to the land, right? It's getting back to the land and using technology and and certain ways that can help us achieve that in terms of we don't have that many elders today and we only eat. So a lot of the, you know, a lot of our wisdom today comes from books and from technology. So understanding that that is, that's the, that's the case. It's more of, you know, you got to use the tools that are available
0: you know? Well, it's inspiring. And I think it'll help a lot of people in their lives in whatever way that they can connect back because I think it is in our DNA that we, we need to be connected to the earth. And so, so many people are just floating through their lives, not really knowing how to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, there's like a,
1: yeah, I get, I like how you use the word floating for how we're, you know, kind of just accepting the circumstances of our society and not taking control, you know?
0: Absolutely. But they literally are floating above the earth too. Like very few people ever get to walk barefoot on the lawn. Mm-hmm. And if they live in a city, they don't even, they may live far above the ground.
1: Yeah, man. I, so I would say encourage you just get, you know, touch, touch grass, touch, touch a tree, make that contact. Uh, we know that the earth has uh, an electrical pulse and it, it accepts and accepts energy. So it's, Oh, it's a great way of an easy detox. You know, if you can touch the you know, get grounded for, 15 minutes a day, take a walk in the park for 30 minutes instead of walking in a mall. There's plenty of studies showing that it's, it increases gratitude and relaxation and productivity, all these things. There's a lot of possibilities for how we can bring nature into cities, how we can make the indoor spaces more um, in tune with our biology, honoring our biology. So there's a lot of room for growth in that in those sectors.
0: That's so great.
1: I feel like really honored to have the ability to come out and speak in terms of rewilding. You know, I don't think many people have this, this opportunity in their lives to find something that they're so passionate about. So I'm really grateful to the movement in general and to the people who have spearheaded this movement. And to all the indigenous people of the world, um, I say thank you. And to all, not to all the trees and to the waters, it's kind of hard to do it alone. So I'm working on finding community here in Chestnut Ridge. And Lenape Hoking, which means the people of the oh, the the land of the Lenape that encompasses this big big area. And so I just wanna end by saying thank you, Aaron, and thank you to the whole community that will listen to this and hopefully we can, you know, work together and actually make change for the better. And I feel like there's a lot of opportunity and opportunity for health in the coming future. So I want to say thank
0: you. Well my pleasure. I'm so happy to have you and the message is awesome. I think people We'll connect with it and I'll do what I can to get it out there.
1: Much appreciated, man. Let me know if I can help in any other way. You know, maybe we could talk again sometime soon.
0: Yeah, I may come back with some more questions. Awesome. Awesome, Aaron. Uh, All right, man. Very great to chat with you. All right. Take care, man. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I hope the wisdom of our ancestors inspires you to lead a more connected and human life and that you can rewild or redesign elements of your own life in a way that honors our species and our interconnectedness with the earth and with each other. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And if you are inspired to leave positive reviews to help support the show, massive gratitude.